Kyle Scott does a podcast with <laughs> Nathan Tinney. You could at least we ha- we already have jazz music. We have, we have, and we're being outclassed by competition now. We are. We have some pretty major competition. We... I mean, speaking of Doctor Who, am I right? <laughs> yeah, boy. We've got some. We've got some rough, rough roads ahead. We're going to start having to compete. We're going to need to like run and make badges. We're going to have to get really upper guest game. Do we need a flag? Do we need a flag? Yes. We do need a flag. <laughs> You're the artsy one, and I'll leave the flag creation to you. I'm just here for the... I'm here to chat, Kyle, really. I'm not here to nation build. Have you, have you got some things in mind? Um, Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I've been ill, and I've recovered, and I saw a few films. Nothing really, but I have a pretty boring time, really. I saw Lita Battle Angel, I saw Green Book, and I saw How to Train Your Dragon 3. That's all I've been doing. How was Weird Anime Facebook movie? Lita Battle Angel, a lot better than I think it had any business being. Um, it, the ending was absolutely horrendous, it was completely rotten, it was the whole film, you know how when people talk about a film is just a setup for a sequel, but the, mm-hmm. the, they still achieved something in that standalone film. Yep. They achieved nothing in the standalone film. This was an entire two-act film for the second film to just be one large third act. The film, Sounds the film literally fun. ends at the point where the character would be gearing up for the final attack. Oh, I How see. unprofessional! Wow. You you don't pin your phone on silent. How unprofessional! Who was I'm leaving it? Leaving that in. Don't please don't leave it in. It was friends talking about going to Minigol. We'll learn the podcast now, motherfucker. <laughs> what about what about you, Kyle? What have you been doing? What's just new with you? You got anything we to talk about? Anything particularly frustrating? Anything burning at your core? Well, I uh, I broke my phone the other week. Ah, good. That was fun. Good podcast content right there. What did you do? I, I I was sitting on the toilet on my phone, as you do. As you do. As yeah. is common practice. For men of the Slipped out of my hands. Fell onto the tile flooring. Shattered into a million pieces. Rest in pieces. Oh my. So, so I have... Honestly, I needed an excuse to get a new phone anyway. I was on an iPhone 5, which... Uh, Yes, it's not exactly the new the new technology. Well, I have, so I've upgraded. I, I have an iPhone SE, hardly cutting edge, but uh, it gets the job done. <laughs> That's funny. You want to know what my new phone is? An iPhone six. It's an iPhone SE, actually. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to a whole new world. I I, um, I have some friends that work with like phones and sales and stuff, and I used to always think because I think the SE came out after the six. They said that the SE is essentially the tech of a six and the size of a five because some people were resistant to the bigger phone, which I was for a Mm -hmm. long time. I think up until maybe a few months ago, I thought the iPhone five was prime iPhone design. That's why I got the SE. Yeah, but um, that was also why I got the SE because I had an iPhone five at one point, and I got Space Gray, of course. Mm-hmm. And then 
um, I found out that it's actually less of the tech of a six, and it was actually kind of more prototype tech for the seven. So I feel even more advanced. Aren't you just a a big tech man? No, but people I know are, and I like to share their information without their permission. That's not very nice. Ah, I'm not giving away their social security number, or their names and addresses. I'm not doxing anyone, Kyle. I'm not one of those one of those fools. Well, we could have talked about games. There's been some games that came out recently. Really? What's come out, Kel? Games that were made five years ago that have just sat on a shelf because Terry Crews needed the paycheck? Uh, well, there's that one, yeah. Which, funnily enough, is the only one I've actually played. I've played none of these new games. In fact, today I yes, was playing... Have. Today I was playing games that were uh, ten over ten years old. I know for a fact you've played one of these new games. I know what game you're talking about, Kyle. You're talking about the new the new Titanfall game. I am talking about Apex Legends, yeah. Yes, indeed. The game posed to defeat Fortnite from what I've heard. You know what, Kyle? I do not know where this narrative has come from because the games are so different. Both good games, I cannot deny. I quite enjoy Apex Legends. It's more tactical than Fortnite, a lot more tactical. It's got, I would say it's got more in common with like a PUBG. I know PUBG and Fortnite were the two beating ones, but I play a lot of Fortnite and I've played quite a considerable amount of uh, Apex Legends and they're just nothing alike apart from the fact you've only got one life. You don't even really have one life. Your allies can pick up your like tag and take you to a revive station. It's, they're so different. So I don't really know why they're two, com- two, two games that are competing with each other, you know? Um, but it is quite fun. There's a lot of personality in it. The characters are kind of Overwatchy, I guess. I, I didn't play a lot of Overwatch, so that would be more to you than it does to me. Um, there's different classes and stuff. I, I've quite enjoyed it. I know a few people don't enjoy it, though, so I've been struggling to get a full team together. My understanding is it's a hero-based Battle Royale game. Yeah, that that would be a, a reasonable assessment. I feel that there's not enough characters, but yeah. Well, that's the deal with these games. They keep adding more. I could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game added more because at, at launch there's like two heroes that are locked, and it looks like there's probably they're just going to add more. I'm actually not a big fan of most of the characters. Not necessarily their abilities, just the characters themselves. I don't really like it. Most of them, a few of them are quite good, but a few of them's a bit eh. And I'm telling, I'm telling friends in like a low key humble brag that I'm recording a podcast app right now, so I can't arrange plans. Oh, is that a humble brag? Yeah. Or is it just sad? Nah, nah, I'm, I'm living a more interesting life than they are. They're like earning money and working for a living and I'm recording a podcast. Look, in six years they're going to be laughing when we're getting a million views in episodes. Yeah, that's what matters when we're all famous. This, they'll, they'll be like looking, at, oh, I, I used to be friends with them, you know, and we can be like, yeah, used to be friends with me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then sunglasses fall down to your face. <laughs> That's why we record with cameras off, so that can't happen. So Anthem came out. Anthem came out, yes. Um, what do you know about Anthem since launch? I know a little bit, but not much. I've, I don't know that much either. I've been considering if I even want to buy it or not. Same. 
so like, much same. I, I, it's I remember when the first E three reveal was I think in twenty seventeen or something. It was you know you know it's one of those E three re- reviews where it's a complete pre scripted tech demo that like it runs yeah. an engine but nothing that happens is actually a player. People stand on the stage yeah. with the controllers turned off, you know, and the whole the whole world, myself included, we were ready for it. It looked great. It was I was still into Destiny at the time, and uh, I just thought this looks amazing and it's really good concept. And in the game, I know that uh, there's like N seven armor and stuff, so that's right, fan. Um, it's just like an Easter egg. There's Matt. There's N seven armor and Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare too. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, yeah. But let's not get sidetracked on the Plants vs Zombies. There's a whole other discussion. But um, then I don't know. It just it, this is um, my big problem with with um, films. I've started to do it too the past couple of years. It's creeping into films. But games because they take longer to develop. They showcase them like three years before the game's got any intention of releasing. And my God, that just that really hinders the game sales in my opinion. People care about it at one point. Then by the time the game comes well, the out, the hype dies down, doesn't it? Yeah, the hype dies down. But even then, the because they still release trailers, you know, up until launch. After the initial review, you can go a year without hearing anything. Then you hit up with trailers, and mm-hmm. that would be the regular marketing campaign that films do usually. And but because people heard like, about it three years ago, people think, "Oh, that game is that still a thing? Is that game not already come out?" People are just confused. No one buys it, including including me and maybe you. And I've heard that maybe the beta was quite solid, but they thought this is good for a beta, but the finished game better blow our socks off. And then, update, the game did not blow their socks off. So, I, you know, shame. Yeah, well, I have my own reasons for not wanting it, which is... You were much into Destiny at the time of its announcement. I was not. Yes. I, um, not a Destiny fan. I think when um when we were doing our test episodes, we talked about Anthem, right? We may have, for uh, the sake of me being on the side of the listeners. Uh, I have never heard the test episodes, and I do not. I don't know. What oh, spoke of about. course. Uh, but of course. no, no. Honestly, I, I, we might have spoken about it. I can't really remember. I do know that we've definitely spoken about your non-enjoyment of Destiny. Though. Yeah, and as when I saw the trailer for Anthem, I, I saw, oh, they're they're trying to make a Destiny game. And this idea, this idea that um, Bungie definitely—I don't know if Bungie started it, but they were definitely trying to champion this sort of. This is a big story game RPG with MMO. multiplayer elements. Yeah. Well, RPG MMOs have existed long before that, but they were trying to make it this like cinematic experience, but also a multiplayer game, and it just never worked for me. It just, uh, I don't know, something about it like I the... can see a lot of the a lot of the kind of environment public events that can kick off become really scripted because it's always in the same six locations every like ten minutes. Yeah, and there's something to be said about end cutscenes, and this isn't an MMO problem, but they'll be like, you are the chosen champion who will save this world! And there's 50 other chosen champions running around doing the same stuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well that's... I don't really feel as special now. I can see that. Yeah, I guess so. Like you're the one person who will save this land, and then look at the server numbers of thousand people that have all been told the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. It's it's never that's never bothered me specifically. 
especially if the game does it well. Like that specific critique, I don't really think would apply to Destiny because the game is very aware that it applies to everyone. Like every, everyone who has magical powers is the chosen ones. Not everyone has it though, such as NPCs. They are not the chosen ones. I suppose. The other thing is, I am one of the 16 people in the world who's a big fan of Mass Effect Andromeda, and I will defend it to the death. I'm with you there, Kyle. Me and you, me and you. We, we defend Mass Effect Andromeda. You probably more, because you actually finished it. <laughs> you should finish the game! It, it's good! It's still installed. I don't really know why I stopped playing. I just stopped playing. Anyway, and my, my worry is that they'll, they'll not make another one. I think that's very likely that they won't make another Andromeda. Go on. Well, it didn't do well, and well, it did fine, I think, but critics fucking railed on the game. It got, like... It was one of the most hated games when it came out, I think it's safe to say. We spoke about Mass Effect Andromeda on our um, never-to-be-spoken-about test episodes. I think we did. We, de we definitely did because I remember saying it and I'll, I'll say it again, I still don't know what the criticisms were. I just remember people not liking it and there being some very funky animation that was patched. And there are several hour long videos talking about why they don't like it. I, I, I must have missed the point of the first three games. <laughs> like, I... I, I <laughs> The first three games is an epic cinematic trilogy that very easily could be a film. The first one might struggle to be a film, but the second and third definitely. And I think most good trilogies have that, where like they could easily be film adaptations and they'd be amazing and they'd be loved. But then they kind of stray off into a fourth game that, of course, because it was the conclusion to a trilogy, it's not going to continue that trilogy story. But people... Well, no spoilers for Mass Effect 3, but uh, yeah, good luck with a sequel to that. <laughs> Depending on what ending you choose. Um, and it was... It's just, I don't know. What, I don't. People were complaining because it didn't continue the story of the third game that very clearly that's, was a conclusion. That, that's not it. I, I mean, Mass Effect Andromeda is clearly... It's not trying to be like the trilogy other games... It's not like a like a Pirates of the Caribbean 4 where it's trying to be another Pirates of the Caribbean film. Right. It's trying to be its own thing. At least that's what I think. But it f and a lot of people... It still felt I like I guess Mass people Effect. didn't like that. It, I agree. It was a lot more optimistic. It, more like if Star Trek went into... Um, we had to get Star Trek into this episode. <laughs> if, um, if Star Trek went into the Mass Effect world, it was very exploring strange new worlds and less... Defending our old crippled worlds against the enemy in the darkness. Which was a great story. I love the Mass Effect trilogy. But this was also good. I, I really don't know what the criticism was. You'd have to look into it. I don't, I don't know all the details. I think there's a lot of people that don't like the story and things that happen in it. I think, obviously the glitches were a big issue for a lot of people. Yeah, probably. Uh, there's a bunch, a lot of the game is what I would class as busy work, if you know what I mean. Yeah, just kind of running Where around it's... collecting this thing for this person. Right, there's a lot of that in the game, and that kind of gameplay 
it's fine for me. I don't care. I do it all the time. That's because you're an but achievement junkie. Pe- exactly. But for some people, that kind of stuff just bores them to death. And I can get why people wouldn't like the game for that kind of thing. Especially since Mass Effect 2 and 3 were very... I won't say completely... They were quite linear cinematic experiences, I would say. Is that fair? Yeah. Christ like Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2 and 3 don't really have open world elements to them. Yeah, open world's like just there with nothing to do. It's like you can roam over into this corner, but there's nothing there for you to do in that corner, you know? Yeah, like... Mass Effect 1 had more of that, where you could like go down to the planet's surface and explore. Yes, yes. Whereas, uh, now I get what you mean, now I get what you mean, yeah. yeah. But Mass Effect 2 and 3 didn't do that, it was just you go down to the planet and do a mission, and that's it. Yes, uh-huh. And again, I think Mass Effect 2 and 3 probably being infinitely superior games, and gameplay-wise, this, I mean, Mass Effect 1's story well, is definitely good, but... I. Really... I think Mass Effect 1's story is one of the best. Mass Effect 1 gameplay, not so it, much. It's really hard to go back to Mass Effect 1 after playing Mass Effect 2 and 3. It, it was just such a big jump up. Like, I would love for them to re-release the Mass Effect trilogy and like, the next-gen consoles, but like all remastered a la like, the Halo games. But, like, they re... And I know people would complain because it isn't authentic, but reworked the Mass Effect 1 controls to be more in line with the subsequent games. Because my god, like the uh, the new the Resident better. Evil game or the new old Resident Evil game. Yes, uh-huh, that I only kind of know about because people spoke about a Resident Evil game. That I was like, didn't that game come out like over ten years ago? And people were like, ah, yeah, but this is different. And I'm like, how is it different? If it's a like, it's re-release? not. It's not a remaster. It's a remake. Oh yeah. Oh, is that what it is? It's like it's yeah. It's not just a remaster of the original game. They've actually remade the game. They've remade the game with modern gameplay. All right. Okay. Right, yeah, exactly like that. Yes, uh uh-huh. Kyle, you know you you know more about what I want than what I know I think I want. Yes, <laughs> Kyle, you go do it. Kyle, you make the new Mass Effect 1 remaster. You you do it. I want to make Mass Effect Andromeda 2 if I make anything. <laughs> let, let, let's be optimistic and not delusional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, the chances of them making like a Mass Effect remastered trilogy at some point, maybe not for the Xbox One, but for the next generation, I feel like that's a definite. Every game gets that treatment nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's more or less just done and dusted, this this generation of games. Like, it really weird. 2013 felt like two years ago, and I remember, like, Rise, Son of Rome, and Titanfall, and people didn't really earn Dead Rising 3. Rise, Son of Rome. Yeah, oh. Uh, <laughs> and Call of Duty Ghosts, which was kind of on both platforms for the 360 next one. And people didn't really know how to use the technology. There wasn't really many games, and everything was a bit kind of finicky, because it was more power than you had to handle for a console. And then, kind of maybe. By early 2015, late 2014, they kind of had a grip of things, though the MCC is still kind of broken. And now it feels like we're we're, we're ending this generation, nothing new is happening, there, I don't really think there's any new games coming out that's going to push the Xbox One to the edge, quite like people said Halo 4 did for the 360. Uh, excuse me, they're re-releasing... The Ace Attorney trilogy remastered I don't know what Xbox I, One. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> Dude, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney? Don't have a clue what that is. They're the best text-based games you'll ever play. The best text-based game games I ever played were the Club Penguin books. 
They're, they're significantly better than the Club Penguin books. Choose your own adventure, motherfucker. You can get them on your phone if you really want. Yeah, I'm okay. I'll stick with them. Um... With Microsoft Games Custom Labs, whatever it's called. With your Scrabble and your murder mystery games. Are you talking about Microsoft Ultimate Word Games? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Why? Okay, okay, what the hell am I even on the show? You can just talk to yourself. You know what I'm trying to say more than I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes, Ultimate, Ultimate Word Games, those things. Yes, I'm happy with playing that for eternity. I don't think you are. Those games are not good. Well, there you go. I I said it. I'm well, sticking. Well, I, I've Kyle, made a video Kyle, on let, them. Kyle, I'm sticking my claim. Link, link, plug, plug. Let's not get Microsoft games are bad. Let's not get controversial here because you think it's bad, but you also like Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you, I, you... I'm just saying. I think I know who I saw at the Game Awards. Was Microsoft Ultimate Word Games there? Yes, well, one of the developers probably was working for a different project. Just let, let's just take my word in pure faith and let's not do any research. Let's do all those. So, let's so, do all those YouTubers do that speak out against left wing politics. Oh boy, let's make it political now. Speaking of speaking of uh, roasting respond videos on YouTube, Kyle, you released a new video on your YouTube channel, didn't you? I did do that. It's true. Well, um, you want to give anyone who may or may not ever listen to this episode a little brief overview of um, what was your video about and um, where you're proud of it? I wasn't sure you wanted to to bring this kind of thing up on this podcast. I, I, I hesitate to you on your political videos promoting this podcast, but this podcast is about our lives and what we're doing, and not necessarily speaking about the issue themselves, but speaking about what inspired you to make the video on your channel about the issue. Um, wow, you're getting deep with me now. Well, I wasn't prepared. Well, well, Kel, well Kel, I mean, we're, I'm trying to segue and pimp out your channel, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, but so would you want to speak about what's on my channel? I can tell you I've got eight, sub- eight subscribers and no videos. <laughs> that that movie review channel's coming one day though. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Move on. One, one, <laughs> once you learn how to edit and record, I don't even know and... what the record button on a camera is. I was going to say controller. That shows how much I know. I think I just hold an Xbox controller up to my face. That would be an interesting way of doing reviews. Wouldn't it? So, anyway. Like, last month, I, I, I made a, a, a rather political video, I would say. Just a bit. I, I, I made a video response to a little, little fun YouTube channel you might have heard of called Stephen Crowder. Loud with Crowder, hashtag mug club. Except, unfortunately, I couldn't respond to the big man himself because he was dying or whatever. I don't know. He was ill. I didn't look into it. He had health problems. His doctor advised him to take some time off. But luckily enough for me, he was replaced by a, the craziest man on the planet. By a star man. By a, by a sheer... He, he, he helped create Ultimate Word Game. I, I don't think we can put that much crap on the ultimate word game well, he, he definitely played a few word games in that video. 
Oh, well, yep. So it was a video about... It's actually a pretty common argument I've seen floating about, which is that the left are sexualizing children. Well, they are, Kyle. God, have you never seen a video game with, like, a young child in it? Okay, that's not the left, though. Kyle, I'm, I'm being facetious. It's completely I, I know. I know you are. So I, this argument annoyed me, so I made a video which came quickly after like what I would describe as my political awakening. Kyle hit social puberty. I hit, I hit social justice puberty. Uh, even the name <laughs> makes me shudder. And 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 I, I care about things now. You, you so usually I, just let the world burn. I, I did, it's true. Now he cares. Now, now I care. Now he wants I, the I, government I... to seize the means of control and production. No, I want the people to seize the means of production. Well, Gosh! Well, well, that's a little common. <laughs> so, so I did that. And it, it's it's super successful. It's got five likes and six dislikes. All of which are from me. All of which are from Nathan. <laughs> Including the harassing comment. Totally me. So this time my video was about our Lord and Saviour Justin Trudeau. Yes, indeed. From and, Kyle's and... beautiful Canadian land. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess I was debunking a lot of the common arguments made against him. He's too young and he wants to legalise the weed. He wants to legalise the weed and he cares about the gay people, Nathan. Why, why would he even care about the gays? The gays are already happy. That's why they're called gay. Wap wap. <laughs> Slide whistle. And it was a video response to uh, everyone's favourite fascist pigeon, Black Pigeon Speaks. I honestly, I'd never heard of this guy until he made the video. You linked it to me this morning and I was like, who the hell is this guy? I still don't know who yeah. he is. I mean, are you saying that you didn't watch the original video? No, oh yes, I, of course I watched the original video. Yes, I clicked on all your links in the description. Why do I even bother putting them there? Because people will undoubtedly want to call you out. It's more of theirs insurance. Most people that make YouTube videos, I don't really think they're... Maybe if they're doing call-out videos in response to someone else. If they're making this video responding to someone else's bullshit, they've probably done the research, and the only reason the stuff is linked there... Not necessarily to prove them right, but just as insurance in case someone really does want to say they're lying. You, the assumption would be that you're telling the truth, and the links are only there to prove that you're telling the truth. But if people like want to believe you in blind faith, then probably will be okay. I guess that is pretty much the reason that I do it, yeah. Yeah. You know you're telling the truth, the links are just there to prove to anyone who doesn't believe you. Well, I hope I'm telling the truth. It's not my intention to lie. Well, Kyle, you're Kyle, you're a big lying scumbag. You're an immigrant. Oh uh, yeah. You you you're you're there to turk their gerbs. You want to know fun facts about fascist black pigeon speaks? Go ahead. He lives in Japan. Ah. <laughs> but what the hell is he talking about? Talking about Canada and he's in Japan. Why is this his problem? He's... He's Canadian, he just lives in Japan. Why is he living in Japan? Because he's a hypocrite, Nathan. Jesus Christ. Because he doesn't make any sense. Jesus Christ. 
I honestly never heard of this guy and you were telling me not only is a Canadian living in Japan, but... Ah, not, I have nothing more to say on him. He's stupid. So what? So you made this video and... Because I remember a few weeks ago you asked me if I wanted you to link to the podcast. And I said think I said no because of the, the politics that were being discerned. I didn't want any of the... Of the crazy nuts to come to this happy place that we have, which is like a utopia, and um, and you've ruined it. No, because they're not coming here to listen to this, Kyle. They're going to you because you're making you're calling out their deities and their and their and their leaders, but they need to find this podcast. All I'm doing is linking to your video. Your video wasn't linking to us. Thank you. <laughs> What do you mean, thank you? I'm just saying that we're nice, happy people here and I want to see what you're doing, what you're up to. We're having a discussion, Kyle. Well, I I had my... I, I wasn't sure if I should release this video because... I didn't mention it. I, I did put it in the description, but there's a bit of a scandal going on right now in, in, in the top levels of Canadian government. Oh, do tell, because I know it wasn't mentioned in your video. You did, you did reference a scandal, but you never said what the scandal was. I've I, I okay. I've tried to read about this like six times and for the life of me I can't figure out what's actually happened. I think that the government like knew that a company was breaking the law and kind of like shoved it under the rug. I think that's what happened. You think that's what happened. It's like all of these all of these Articles I'm trying to read on it are written in jargon that you can't properly so Canada understand. Canada is corrupt so. to the core by capitalist pigs. And yeah, pretty much. That's 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 what I'm I'm getting at. And Justin Trudeau is the leader of the corrupt core, and he wants to legalize the weed so everyone's too high to do anything about it. And he wants everyone to be gay so populations decrease so that he has a migrant population. Uh, and and he wants to legalize bestiality because reasons. Because he wants David Cameron to have a safe space. <laughs> I'm here all week. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. See you next time. Uh, and also, the uh, the Chinese drug triads are uh, killing the housing market. Of course, yeah. It's always, always the Chinese. The Chinese are the new Russians. Of course. Politics. Yeah. It's what I do now, apparently. And you know what? You do it fabulously from a left-wing pig perspective. Thanks. In case you don't know, Nathan's actually a far-right ethnostate man. Yeah, the reason we do this with cameras off is because I have a big swastika in my forehead. <laughs> I, have, I have a huge swastika above one eyebrow, and above the other eyebrow is a little bit of garlic bread. Relevance? Just things that appease me in life. I see. Fascism and garlic is it, bread. Is it garlic bread or is it garlic pizza? It's a good time to cut to musical transition. Give <laughs> <laughs> this political nightmare that you've dragged us into. What what else? What else is on our minds, Kyle? What are we gonna talk about? 
Well, I, I, I have been playing Crackdown 3. Do you want to oh, hear about Crackdown yeah, we, 3? That was a swift kick from Anthem to politics. Back, yeah, it's back to Crackdown. Back to Terry Cruzen's paycheck. You know, I didn't actually... Even though he's been in all the marketing, I didn't actually expect him to be in the game. I know that sounds really bizarre. No, I, I, can, part I, of me. I, I can see where you're coming from. I really... you, you Yeah, uh-huh. Because some of the trailers, like live action, you hear his voice, and I, I can pull it behind you because I don't know. You don't really expect the main character in Crackdown to speak to have dialogue. Okay, I have I have many thoughts about Crackdown. Go ahead. This this will be my official review because apparently I don't do reviews on my own channel anymore. Though you should. Don't be just political. Ah. I've got more important things to do than talk about Crackdown. Right. So, here's my official Crackdown thing. He's cracking down did, on Crackdown, ladies and gentlemen. Did you like Crackdown 1 and 2? Crackdown 1 is a fairly enjoyable experience. Crackdown 2 I had much more fun with. Then you'll like Crackdown 3, because it's almost exactly the same as both of those games. <laughs> Ah, uh, uh, I've heard the weapons are quite different from Crackdown 2. Where have you heard that from? from you would be wrong. From a, from a friend who will remain nameless for the sake of recording, who said that he, he played it with the both of us back way back when, and he says some of the, the kind of magnetic guns aren't as powerful or the same. I, 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 I mean... Maybe if you're trying to use some of the more, like, wacky weapons, if you just stick to, like, machine guns and rocket launchers, it's basically the same game. Right, okay, well, yeah, I, th I assume he's talking wacky weapons. That doesn't mean it's bad. I would describe it as a very safe sequel. Um, like, as soon as you play it, if you've played the first two games, you'll know exactly what you're doing. It definitely feels like Crackdown. Yes. You jump around, you collect green orbs, you shoot some bad guys, and you feel like a badass. Yes, when you get in a car, does the car upgrade? No, but the car can, like, transform into different cars. It's not quite as fun as the car upgrading, but... <laughs> right. Is it, can I remember Crackdown, like, you could jump really high, but when you'd done it running forward, it would kind of feel like you never moved anywhere. You would, like, uh... jump high standing still. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's a very it's a very smooth game. You can tell that it's been worked on for like five years. I don't think I've encountered any glitches. So the game is like a full, polished, nice, done and dusted game then? Here's the other thing though. Right. I finished the main storyline in about ten hours. Which is not long. That's maybe... Maybe a five hours shorter than a regular game? In fact, I can tell you right now, I've been playing... I don't know how much exact hours I've got onto it right now, but what, did the game come out like a week and a half ago? I think so. I'm at 97% completion. Jesus, Kyle, what the hell have you been doing? It's really... it's not a long game. Like, all of like the build-up and stuff, and I only have two achievements left, and that's all of the agility orbs and all of the hidden orbs. Does that is this game retailing at full price? Yeah, well, well, 
Well. As if you're an idiot. What what does that mean? It means you can play it for one dollar on Game Pass. Ah yes, indeed Game Pass. So which is what I did because I'm not an idiot. Am I being ripped off, Kyle? I think so. But what about one one dollar in Canada and one pound in the UK is not the same amount of money, but it's also one pound in the UK. I think, yeah, you are being ripped off. Bastards. They can't exactly charge, like, 70 pence for it, though, can yes, they? Yes, they could. It's the same amount of money. It's literally the same <laughs> amount of money as they're charging in Canada. And it's not like there's any transport or shipping fees because it's all digital. <laughs> what are the... Oh, it's, it's bastards. It's how they make more money. It's how it looks good in the books. It's all cheats. So, there's other things, too, which is, um... I, I once played this game, which I don't think anyone will have heard of, including you, and it's called Agents of Mayhem. Right. Have you heard of it? I th- honestly, I thought you were going to say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I want an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. game, but no, Agents of Mayhem. So, Agents of Mayhem is a game made by the people who made Saints Row. Right, okay. And it's set in an alternate reality of the Saints Row universe. So it's in the same universe as Saints Row, but like an alternate timeline? It Yes. Right. So it's So this game uh-huh. this game was a total failure, which is why you've never heard of it. Right, so no when one it launched it. No one played it. No one played it, it was a horrible glitchy mess, no one knew what the game was really, because they kind of advertised it like it was Central 5, but it's not Central 5. It's just not. The more you say it, the more I'm like, have I heard of it? Like, I can can visualise some kind of abstract image of the game in my head, like a poster or something, but like, if you were to show me the actual poster, I'd be like, nah, that's completely different. Anyway, so it's an open world game, it's hero based, so you pick different characters, different abilities and all that. Yeah. And as I was playing Crackdown 3, I was like this is all, this is like Agents of Mayhem but not as fun. Oh, is it shitter? <laughs> no, it's not shitter. But Agents of Mayhem they fixed all the glitches and I played it like year after it came out and bought it for like $8, right? Uh-huh. And I I enjoyed it. It's it's funny. It's written by the central people, so it's funny. And the are characters... they aware no one liked this game? I I think so. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I've I've googled it. Um, we have a six out of ten on Steam, seven point one out of ten on IGN, and five out of ten on trusted reviews. So people are basically insane. It's like a mid, very mid, mid tier game. Yeah. So. The reason I kept thinking, because the moving about and the combat is very similar, but the difference is um, Agents of Mayhem has characters and Crackdown 3 doesn't have characters in it. Yeah, I'm looking at these pictures and like it does look like a Crackdown game despite it being Saints Row. Yeah, like you can see like all the different characters. There's like... Someone's got a Saints Row emblem in his chest. Yeah. And they all have different, like, fun personalities and they'll talk while you're doing things. Yeah. Crackdown 3 is so 
bare bones when it comes to story. It's like they spent all their uh, recordings on Terry Crews. I think so, right? But so Terry Crews is one of the optional, like you know, on Central and sorry, Crackdown One and Two, you can pick between different agents. Wait, 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 wait. So. Like other Crackdown games, you have the selection of agents you want to play as. Yeah. But they have one famous one who is Terry Crews who you don't even need to play as. Yep. So what was the point in getting Terry Crews in? Star power, I guess. Yeah, but if he's the only famous one, you're obviously going to want to play as him. And if you don't play as him, then what was the point in getting Terry Crews in the game? I didn't play Terry Crews. I played... Because the fun fun new addition, you can play as women in this game. How progressive! And there was one which they, they, they give them like a quick backstory. Like, right. to indicate that they might actually be a character when they're not. Alright, I look at it, it gives you like a brief introduction right at the beginning and it's never mentioned. Yeah. So the one I picked was was a lady from the, the tough streets of Glasgow, and it's like, well, I have to pick oh, her. She's from Glasgow. She's Scottish. She's Scottish, so I picked her. Obviously, does she, does she sound like she's from Glasgow though, or is she Scottish she, the same way that she doesn't speak? She doesn't say a single word. <laughs> and I assume it's the same case if you play as Terry Crews. I assume nah, that he just nah, doesn't nah, say nah, anything. Nah, nah, nah. Terry Crews got to say something. He's got to have voice okay, well, and stuff. He's in the opening cutscene giving like like a like a speech. Yeah. And then you can like take over propaganda towers, and he's like the guy who gives out like the the positive propaganda. But that's it. Can you play as um like can you have more than one save? Like you can play as like different characters and different saves. Uh, you can switch which agent you're playing at any time. Oh right, okay. So because I was thinking if there was a way to like look at breakdowns of like how many of the players play certain characters I've got a feeling it would be like 96% Terry Crews and then everyone else would have like the 4% breakdown 3% breakdown or whatever I, that wouldn't surprise me at all it's oh that's it's just why did they get Terry Crews I don't know I love Terry Crews but you know, con- considering how little they apparently seem to have used them the other thing is, um, so, one of the best things about any of the Crackdown games is, of course, the um, the chairman, or or not the chairman, what's he called? Oh, the director guy? The, the director, right? He's great. He's yeah. in all three, he's in this one as well, and he's same, great. Same character? Same voice actor, rather? It's the same character, same voice actor. Wow. He's got, like, he's Impressive. got the best voice. I can kind of remember the voice. Sounds a little bit like Captain Keys, but more characters. He is Captain Keys. He is Captain Keys! Hey! hey, hey. He is Captain Keys. Anyway, but they gave him a name. Right. And he didn't have it. I don't think he had a name in the first two games. He was just always called the director. What is he in this game? His name is Goodwin. That's not a bad name. Goodwin. That's not a bad name, but... Just being known as the director is a lot cooler. That's what I thought too. Director Goodwin and... is like, like when like when Nick Fury's director of Shield, you can just be known as the director, and it's really cool. But then when mm. like Nick, when Coulson takes over, it becomes a lot more kind of community Shield. It's a lot more kind of here to care about the community, and like you know, it's a good PR stunt to have the director actually have a name because it sounds better to the people. 
That, that sounds like, giving his name sounds like, you know, the director's a lot cooler, a lot more shadowy. Should have just kept him with, called the director. Here's the other thing, though, which I guess I'm getting into spoiler territory, but I'm going to say this right now. You already know the story of Crackdown 3. What, the zombies take over? No, it's more like the first one. Oh, so crime gangs rage everywhere? Actually, um, instead they've mixed it up this time and it's an evil corporation. So an evil corporation has taken over everywhere? Yes. When it is a different first... city this time. When did they first announce Crackdown 3? Um, Crackdown 3? When did they first announce it? Oh god. 2014? It must. It was a while ago. I remember before they announced it, there was a bunch of theories because there was an agility orb on the screen behind the presenter. Yeah, I remember that. But I also remember there was a lot of confusion if this was going to be like a re-release, remaster of Crackdown One, because they they, they stupidly mm-hmm. just said Crackdown. And people I can like, tell you right now, it's not a remake. It's a sequel. Yeah, no, I do know that they cleared it up. Eventually, they started referring to it as Crackdown Three. That's what made but, people be fully aware it was a sequel, but for a long time people weren't sure. I'm going to say it's a sequel in quotation marks. It has very vague ties to the first two games. I can't even remember the second game having any ties to the first game. It did a little bit. It was set in the same city, so... And well, like... yeah, you could you could go to the HQ from the first game, but it was all like underwater. Mm-hmm. The tunnel. Yes, I remember this all. Yeah, so, so this, so, spoilers for Crackdown games, but their plot stories are basically meaningless, so whatever. In both of the first two games, there's like this clear hint that the agency is maybe evil. Yeah, I kind of remember that. God, listeners, me and you are both having an educational experience here, because I'm remembering stuff that Kyle's telling me that I haven't heard about in years. Go on, father, tell us your story. Like, in the first game... At the very end, the the director is like, I'm going to be straight with you, Agent. Maybe it was me who paid all those gangs so that I could dun, improve dun. my political power. Done. And that's how the game ends, and it's like, ooh. And then in the second game, it's pretty clearly implied that the outbreak of zombies is actually the agency's fault. I remember this as well. God, it's all coming back to me. So there's, like, pretty clear... like, And that's... that's Basically, the most interesting story element of both Crackdown games is that the agency is actually kind of evil. And you're kind of only kind of playing by the system by doing maybe good things? Yes. They kind of... They, I, I, they dropped that for this game. There was no hint that the agency was evil in this game. What's the bit that they just forgot about it because none of the I developers have ever so. worked on Crackdown? No, because... Okay... So, like I said, in the first game, they clearly hint that, like, the gangs were being paid by the agency so that they could increase their political power. Yeah. And then in the third game, they're like, oh, we didn't finance those gangs. It was actually this evil corporation that financed the three gangs. Oh, so they are acknowledging the evilness, but they're just not... Yeah, they're they're saying... They're explaining it away. They're like, oh, that wasn't actually us. It was this. It was the evil company the of this direc- game. The director who's implied as being evil is the same director in this game. It's the same guy. It doesn't and make like, any sense. I didn't do the thing I implied to this other agent 10, 13, 15, 60 years ago. I was just, I was just pulling his pisser. 
That's that's bull. That's bullshit writing, man. Mm-mm. This game is incredibly anti-capitalism in a kind of funny way. <laughs> every game, that's, every game, every form of media that goes against big corporations, anti-capitalism. Like, um, there's just signs and stuff and vandalism everywhere that's just really like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Socialist. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. There's one where it's um it's a sign for food bank and then it's got an asterisk on it and it says restrictions apply. Oh right, ha 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 ha. banter. Because <laughs> the I, the city that you're in is like completely controlled by a corporation, so. That's like the plot to mo- every Steven Spielberg film ever. <laughs> you know, stick it to the man and. We're, we're the underdog that's going to get away with it all. This literally it sounds like the plot to Ready Player One, actually. Private corporation is too much influence. Anyway, now get so Van Halen song stuck in my head. I guess to wrap it all up is my review of Crackdown 3 is if you like the first two games, you'll like this one. 10 out of 10 IGN. And apparently that it has a multiplayer that I haven't played yet that's actually a separate game. What do you mean a separate game? You need to buy that as well? No, I think it's free if you buy it. Um, it's kind of like how Halo 3 had a multiplayer disc. Oh, that came with ODST? Yeah. So there's Crackdown 3 Campaign and then there's Crackdown 3 Wrecking Crew, which is multiplayer, and I haven't tried is it, it yet. Is it PvP or is it PvE? I think it's PvP. Because there was a in Crackdown, I don't know about one, but in two, it was, it was like PVE, but you could do PVP with your friends. Yeah, there was a PVP mode in Crackdown two, which I never played because by the time I played Crackdown two, the servers were already dead. Yeah, Crackdowns have really been famous for its uh, mass um, PVP environment, you know. Which is why I thought it was really weird when I saw there's a multiplayer to this game. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not like right now. If we were to boot up our Xbox Three Sixties, we could probably find a game of original Halo Three quite quickly. Oh, definitely. Crackdown, maybe not. Maybe not. It's like I, I, I bought um the re the remastered edition of Red Faction Guerrilla recently. All right. Okay. And there is there's like twenty multiplayer achievements. They're just they're never gonna happen. There's no one playing that multiplayer. <laughs> That's what I meant to say to you when we were speaking about Elite Battle Angel. Yes, that's how we bring it back around. Elite Battle Angel is a sequel to Red Faction. What? Wait. Right, oh, right there's no proof to this, right? Um, you know, asterisks everywhere. The robots are... Or Elite was a robot created by the independent Martian colonies or whatever that went to war with Earth. Kind of like the U.S. Revolution. Okay. And and that's that's the plot of Red Faction. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. And Alita is actually one of the last surviving battle robots made by the Martian armies to fight against Earth. And there's a really cool like bit where she's because she doesn't remember. There's a cool bit where she gets like a flashback of memory, and she's fighting on the moon with other people like her against sh- human soldiers and they're wearing like kind of like cool kind of imagine like Neil Armstrong spacesuits but more ready for fighting like they're holding guns and stuff mm-hmm. and it's it's like a brief 
six second glimpse and the film kind of goes back to missions that she does throughout the film but it's only like minute glimpses but that one specific one on the moon when they're fighting it's such a cool stuff so that you know think of, think of a fight on the moon it reminded me of like Transformers actually and didn't it remind I, you of Austin Powers? no no actually no Kelly it didn't remind me of Austin Powers god damn why didn't it um, but I, I, the whole thing I was thinking of with these independent Martian colonies coming together to fight against Earth I was like this is Red Faction, man. So, um, if you ever want to find out what happens after Red Faction Armageddon, watch a Battle Angel. When's that series getting a reboot? Eh, well, you just played the remastered. I that's a remaster though. Like, there's should, you could yeah. you could make another game on Mars. Aren't there tons of Red Faction games? There's just only two that ever were in in quotations mainstream. Uh, I think Red Faction Guerrilla was the third game in the series. Yeah, and I don't even think Armageddon was the last. It was the last one that was like you know kind of third person massive. Oh, there was there was an RTS game, right? Yeah, there yeah there was, um, but I don't know. I enjoyed the two Red Faction Guerrilla games that were mass appeal. I, I I still think that there's an argument to be made that Armageddon was actually better than Guerrilla, though I do believe there's infinitely more stuff to do in Guerrilla. Um, I think the weapon combat and stuff was better in Armageddon, but. Yeah, I mean, Red Faction was great. Also, one of the main characters in Grella was the director from Crackdown. <laughs> he was, and he was also called the director, I think. <laughs> no, he was like the head of the Grellas. Yeah, was he? Was he? Did he ever get a name? I think he was just called like Red Faction Commander or something. Yeah, because I, mean, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen him not be Captain Keys from Halo. So I was like, well, that his name's just Keys. So I think that's Keys. You've tied it back once again. Yeah, see, that's that's what I'm here for, Kyle. You know the words that I want to say, but I'm good at bringing this background to where we started. Oh man, do you want to talk about... I'm looking at my notes here. Do you want to talk about Halo Outpost Discovery? Oh, good lordy Lou. Okay, Kyle, (laughs) let's talk about Halo Outpost Discovery. First, I, I watched the trailer, but could you tell me what it is? It's a Comic-Con specifically for Halo. This it's sounds like it's st- going to be a huge hit. It's a Star Wars celebration, but for Halo. It's Star Trek Destination Las Vegas specifically for Halo. It's a touring experience for Halo. And it looks like it's going to be for no one. <laughs> it, it's it's so bewildering I don't know what they're trying like no sorry sorry take that back I know what they're trying I still think they're they're treating Halo like it's 2007 but and everyone loves Halo uh-huh but they're not putting the work in to make that reality like they had to work at Halo to make Halo big and then they stopped putting the work in to keep it there but now they're still acting like it is that big, and it's like you need and you need you need to spend the money in the marketing before pushing out all this product, because they're trying to be like it's, it's, it's only touring North America. I say North America. I don't even know if it's like going to Canada, so it's just going no. touring like maybe seven different states in the US. And and like I, what what is, remember Halo Fire Team Raven? It was like that arcade game that only was in the US as well, and yeah, like, like, and it was like. 
another and, story and, that was and, happening concurrently with Combat Evolved. And we were equally like, why are you making this? Yeah, it's like they're trying to diversify the Halo IP into different areas. And even though it's still video games, and this this um this Halo Outpost Discovery is gonna be it's gonna be like a like a it's gonna fire be, festival. Yeah, oh god, no. Um, <laughs> it's it's gonna be like an immersive experience that you can kinda of walk in and go through and see all the Halo stuff. And there's gonna be like these big kind of four D three sixty experiences we walk into big rooms and it'll actually look like you're on a Halo ring. You look off it in the distance and the wall will have this cool 3D projected halo ring going up into the sky. And it'll be completely 360 on the floor and on the walls and on the ceiling immersive experience. So you can feel that like you're actually on a halo ring. And there'll be that stuff to do. That sounds like it'll be entertaining for seconds. Yeah, no, it'll be a complete gimmick. And then there's also going to be lots and lots of halo merch. And you know what I think is the most missed opportunity about it? They're not even treating it like as I mentioned before, a Star Wars celebration where it would be a place for them to announce future Halo projects. It's just going to be a thing for people to pretend like they're living in the Halo world. They're not using it to announce anything coming in Halo Infinite or what's happening with the Halo TV series. It's just a thing. It's a gimmick. <laughs> it... What are they doing, Kyle? they they want to be like Star Wars, which isn't impossible. They're just not doing it. They're not, they're. Not, I don't know what words I'm trying to use. They're just not doing it right. It's very odd. I want to go back to 2008, Kyle. We came in 2008. Hill three O D S T. It was a pretty good game. Pretty good. Pretty good. Halo One was, of my favourites. Halo was in its prime, the map pack disc came out for Halo 3, Halo Wars came out the next year, then Halo Reach came out in 2010. It was all then Halo off. Anniversary. Halo Anniversary. Then... And then Halo 4 came out and everything started going downhill. Oh no. And then Halo, Halo, um, Halo 4 and Halo MCC. Halo then, Wars 2 was pretty good. <laughs> Halo Wars 2 was pretty good. Just, uh, it's a shame that the RTS games will always sell less than the FPS games. Anything they do that's good is the thing no one cares about, and the thing that people do care about is always the thing that everyone hates. God damn it, 343. And also, because right now the big thing that's Discovery is Star Trek, when I mention it again, um... All I can think of is what there there's a Halo crossover with Star Trek Discovery. They're gonna run into the mushroom ship. They're they're gonna this Discovery's gonna do its spore jump and they're gonna come out around the Halo ring, and then they'll then they'll have like cool Halo dialogue. Yes, that's exactly what will happen. And they'll be like a Covenant ship there, and they'll say it's part of the Great Journey, and it'll warp and do cool stuff. It's like that comic book where the Next Generation crew run into the X-Men. Isn't there one where the OG crew run into the X-Men as well? I do not know. I just know that Captain Picard and Professor X meet and it's very strange. Was this did this come out after he was in the movies? No, this was in the this was in the This was in like the nineties. Oh damn. I think I think maybe that comic is what inspired the crossover, or not the the maybe Patrick Stewart's casting, or maybe it did come out after the film. The first X Men movie was like two thousand and one or something. 
Uh, I'm sure this comic book was in the 90s, though. I, hell, I don't know, Kyle. You know what? I do actually want... We made, we made a joke about it in the intro. I do actually want to talk about David Tennant's podcast. Just right, okay. Bit. Let's talk about David Tennant's podcast. I can jump to it without having to be prompted. I love it. I, I've been enjoying it, too. It's, it's very odd. I would describe it as the First World Actor Problems podcast. Yes. Is, is that is that a fair a fair description? Well, you say First World Actors podcast next episode. He's got Gordon Brown coming on. Okay, well. Um, <laughs> at the time of recording, we're only up to Ian McKellen right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I, I do I do agree with you. To what the first episode was Olivia Coleman. Second mm-hmm. episode was Whoopi Goldberg. Um, third episode was Jodie Whittaker. The fourth, Ian McKellen. Right, okay, I was, I was trying to walk through in my head. The only, is it one episode a week or one every two weeks? It's one a week. All oh, right, okay, so I was like, I, I, apparently it was like two weeks, but I was like, that's nah, not been that long since the Liver Coleman I, I remember the announcement and I subscribed immediately and I followed it into Twitter and everything. So I've been, I've been there. Since day one, I've been there, Kyle. I've been on the bus. As have I. You, it, you introduced me to the trailer and I subscribed from there. And it's been it's super enticing, and I love hearing because I I can speak for the both of us. I think both big David Tennant fans, of course, and our our, our Scottish homeboy himself, Scottish homeboy represent GG, um, or DT should I say? Um, DT, yeah. See, and, I, when I see your DT, I think of Borderlands Two, where there's a robot called Death Trap. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I cannot I don't I don't what, what do you want to talk about Kyle for because I just know I can't really say anything negative about it well here's the thing I found it fascinating to listen to just for a couple of reasons but the main one is when you picture any other podcast you don't picture a production crew like someone listening to our podcast they most likely know that I edit the podcast myself, right? No, Kale, no. Oh, sorry. Yeah. We've we've mass production teams. We actually have put so much production in it to make it sound as shit as it does. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like, if you listen to Hello Internet, CGP Grey's podcast, you know that he edits it himself. Yes. But when you listen to David Tennant's podcasts... He doesn't edit that podcast. He's got a production crew behind him. It's it's almost like fake realness, if you know what I mean. I think this is you being made aware of something that is actually the rule and not the exception. I, I listen to lots of podcasts like um, anyone who listens to this might be aware of people like Gimlet Media who do like Reply All or every little thing. Or these, 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 they're actually podcast networks or some Star Trek podcasts I listen to. Like, uh, they, they're um, made by, uh, I don't know, they do one called The Greatest Generation and then they do another one called The Greatest Discovery. And The Greatest Generation is where they go through every Star Trek TV show and they do one episode a week. And they've done all TNG, they're doing DS9, they're going to do Voyage and Enterprise. But then The Greatest Discovery is one specifically do week on week about Discovery and the review episodes and such. But it's part of a podcast network where they have production designs and everything. And it is, they have sponsors on every week. 
you know, and they have advert readings. I think, and the easiest podcast form to do is the two dudes or however many people talking, and there isn't much production value. But there are a lot of podcast networks out there where there is value. They actually record it in an office, and it's more like a radio show that's just pre-recorded and not live. I guess I don't think I listen to that many kind of podcasts. So I would just most of the podcasts I listen to are two dudes talking podcasts. One would argue the best podcasts. It is the it is the best format, as you can tell by our podcasts right now. Uh, right now, as you're listening to it, I'm looking. Or is through. there a third person it's silently listening? So it's like in Red vs. Blue, there's always one extra player in the map, and it's the camera. <laughs> um, I'm looking at, I mean, what about the Rooster Teeth podcast? There's a whole production crew behind there. I stopped listening to that a while ago. Wow. <sighs> yeah, so I'm looking through, I've got a, I've got some crime podcasts, I've got a bunch of shit to do ones, I've got Dave Tent, I've got um, Earbud Theatre, that's like a, every... Sometimes it can go like five months to uploading, but they do like these kind of audio theatre productions. They're like old old radio plays and they're little kind of uh, stories, thrillers and stuff, which are quite good. Mm-hmm. Then there's other ones which are Star Trek related. Uh, every little thing. Uh, this Hillary Internet, this Glorious Trek. Uh, Philip DeFranco used to have a podcast, which I don't know if... I don't know if he even uses it anymore, if maybe he's got like a hidden DeFranco elite one that I don't have access to. But he's got, um, he's got one... Then obviously, oh, oh, what's this podcast? Uh, name not included. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a good one. That's a good find I, us, I, Finds in iTunes. I, uh, well, maybe don't. <laughs> I haven't been putting them on iTunes for a while. Well, the I'll... first three episodes are there, kids. This... I'll, I'll put them there one day, but you know, I don't know if you're aware of this internet, but you have to pay in order to do that. <laughs> There's also, uh, you know, Serial, Kelly, you ever heard of Serial, the podcast? Boy, have I heard of it. I've never listened to it, though. Oh, right, okay. Well, I also am, I'm subscribed to Serial, and Serial is just absolutely amazing. Se- season 1 is, is, is its big best thing. Season 2 was, uh, was okay, I guess. Something about an American soldier. And Season 3 was quite decent. So, um, But, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't say that necessarily what you're talking about with it being, like, low production value is, is the norm. I think... Usually, production crews is probably more what you're looking for in your podcasts. <sighs> Hell, I, I I aspire to it. I mean, everyone aspires to it, but like this gets into the whole. It's kind of a common debate on YouTube, which is the individual creators versus the big companies. This is that's basically what the uh, PewDiePie versus T Series thing is all about, you know. Bitch lasagna, bitch lasagna, um. Sorry, that was unprompted and very unprofessional of me. Yes. I'm not allowed to weigh in onto the PewDiePie T-Series debate. It's not for us to get involved in. Uh, subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. Um, but no, I think what all of this has kind of shown us, not PewDiePie T-Series necessarily, but just kind of YouTube in general, is because when everybody thought TV is dying, I thought this for a long time, TV is dying, no one's using TV, everyone's going online now. What you're seeing is when all these online creators are getting bigger and bigger, or um, or internet services like Netflix and such, they're just making TV, except they're not doing it on a television line, they're doing it over the internet, but it's the exact same programming. It's the That's same... applicable it... to some YouTubers. I wouldn't prescribe that to all YouTubers. 
Obviously, there are YouTube creators that are sticky. Oh, I mean, even PewDiePie, he had a YouTube Red series. It was... It, it, like, it's slow-mo guys. They do like, slow-mo planet and stuff now. Bigger, most... There are creators that just want to stay creators and do their own thing. They don't want to be TV. But I think that they're moving against the tide. Even... But podcast, people are like, it's cheap and it's cool. Podcast is just becoming new radio. Radio's still big. I mean, radio's unbelievably behemoth, and the better podcast get of production values, it just becomes a pre-recorded radio show. It, there's this weird cycle where new stuff will be created, but it's just going to fall back into TV and radio anyway, except it's being done over the internet. Well, that is the thing with you. YouTube has clearly stuck its flag in the claim that, like, they want to be TV. Yes. Which I I still think is a bad business decision, but that's the one they've made. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad business decision. No, the pe- the reason people watch stuff on YouTube though is because they don't want to watch TV. Like you don't watch, I I don't know, like a Let's Play video because you want to watch a TV show. Com- completely, and I, I right, okay, right. You you bring up a good point. Um, a bit in terms of what makes more money. I mean, from a where is the demand at? Is it's definitely independent creators, but where's the money actually? Where's the money being made? Because you can't. It's it's impossible to monetize stuff like let's plays and stuff anymore, especially with the way YouTube's being treated because of how they're giving into advertisers and stuff. And of course, obviously, YouTube's don't get all the shit because they don't know how to communicate with their uh, subscribers and stuff or their users. And it is the only safe way to make money is through safe, tried and tested. Models because most advertisers are unwilling to take risks on the mass. Of course, you get. I don't know. They were probably making creators. plenty of money on that pedophile ring. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> but then some some cheeky wee bastard had to go ring the bell and oh no oh no look there's pedophiles. <laughs> oh boy, you know what my my take on that whole controversy is? It's. Go ahead. Maybe you shouldn't upload videos of your children doing gymnastics on YouTube. Is that just me? I think in the system of society where there are bad people out there that will use any form they can grasp to achieve what they're looking for, yes, do not upload your children doing things that can be freeze-framed into compromising positions onto a public platform. However, there are people out there who still don't understand that YouTube is, in many cases, bigger than television in terms of its viewers. In terms of its viewers and the amount of content on it. Yeah, and te- yes, uh-huh, but I'm not necessarily referring to the con- to how, how much content, just in terms of how big it is. And I think that they still think, well, I can upload this to the channel and no one will see it, and uh, I can show it to Sadie when I go to the bingo. You know? It's it's all like that, and it's so. Also, we can get into things like a, with a Nazi pugs and stuff, where it wasn't meant to, to kind of light a fire. It was meant to be shown as a lol to friends, and then it it was because it was public, and it's the same when you post videos of uh, children online for completely innocent reasons that can then be exploited by less favourable elements of society. I. I... 
I, I understand why the advertisers pull out when these situations happen. I get it. Snowflakes. No. It's no. It's 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 a business decision, right? It's yes. People are going to give a shit if we don't do this. People are going to give a shit if we do keep going with them. So how much will they give a shit though, Kyle? Because I think that's my question, right? The first two times I was like, okay, they're going to do this, whatever. This time I'm like. It's gonna keep happening. You may as well just stick with YouTube at this point. Like, there, 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 here's here's my here's my point. If YouTube, if if I if there's a if there's a video on YouTube that maybe I agree or disagree with and there's ads running on that video, I skip the ad anyway. I don't care what the <laughs> ad is. I'm not watching Coca-Cola on YouTube and thinking, oh my god, they support the view of whatever, they, they support the view of Philip DeFranco. No, they don't. They just sell ads to the platform. They... Yeah, I think a lot of people either intentionally or unintentionally don't understand how ads work on YouTube. People people seem to think that an advert on someone's YouTube means that they've seen a contract with the YouTuber and not Yeah, like YouTube it's a sponsorship. A yeah, no, it's not. It's, yeah, and I agree with you, but it, that's not what it is. It's just people, they've sold ads to the platform of YouTube and YouTube dispersed those ads via their videos indiscriminately. I have been strongly considering signing up for YouTube Premium. For moral reasons? I, th- I mean, I don't, I don't run ads, my ad blocker on YouTube because, you know, support creators and all that, but they're so annoying though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had I wrestled a long time morally in my head if YouTube if a ad blocker on my YouTube is what I wanted, but then I realised it's only on my laptop, and I'm only using my computer in my home maybe four days a week, but five days a week I'm always I'm out and about and I'm I'm in education and I'm travelling places and I'm doing things I'm out and about and I'm watching YouTube and stuff on my phone or on computers and you know college and stuff and there isn't ad blockers there and the amount of content I consume when I'm out and about and there isn't an ad blocker on I'm supporting creators and it's just four days out of the week when I'm in my house I have the ad blocker on so I've, I've decided I'm perfectly fine with having my ad blocker for the time being I'll, maybe one day I'll change my mind maybe I'll decide that um, Spotify is no longer right for me and I want to get YouTube music so I'll just get YouTube red you know um, well, I, there's something there's, there's one time where I wish I had ad blockers and that's when People want ads on music that they've legally uploaded. It's like you cheeky bastards. You know, sometimes I think I'm shooting myself in the foot for. What? I have, I have uh, ads the same. Uh, sorry, it's it's by default ads. If you have a ad blocker on, when you open up an incognito window, um, the ad blocker isn't running. You need to turn it on. Yeah. And I a lot of the time, if I'm checking something for literally anything, people ask me like, why the hell are you opening? incognito to look up the cast of a film it's just because I don't really the, ser- the stupid little things that I just don't want to build up onto search histories so if there's like a YouTube video I want to go look up but it's not something that I'm going to be that I ever usually, maybe it's a song to it's a song from an artist that I wouldn't usually listen to but I don't want to get that song recommended to, or that artist recommended to me all the time so I'll do an incognito window and then I realise that because Adblocker isn't running and an ad pops up on that video I'm just supporting that creator who I don't like but when I'm going to creators I frequent all the time, I have Adblocker turned on. And it, it's it, like it's like me watching Black Pigeon Speaks video. Yeah. Fuckers running ads on this video. <laughs> you know, it's 
it's, it's, it's a pickle, you know. The answer is just don't have it running, or have it running on incognito window as well. And you're like, uh, I'm fine. Overall, I'm complaining about it, but I'm kind of fine with it. You know, I think that YouTube is a successful platform to make people rich and famous. Was like an eight-year window that's now closed. I kind of think, think we've got any hope to become no. <laughs> your ear, you've made it. Per- I've made it personal. How do you feel about it now? To, all right, I'll I'll adjust it. I don't think it's possible to become rich and famous on YouTube. But I don't necessarily think it's it's it is I don't think it's impossible to become known. You can still become known on YouTube, but I don't think you can necessarily make a living on YouTube anymore. I think I think it's quite telling that most almost all of the newer YouTubers have Patreon accounts. Yes. As opposed I, to if you go to like the older YouTube channels like Captain Sparkles or PewDiePie or anything, they don't have Patreon accounts. They just survive on AdSense. But that's because they're so big already. That's true, but they never needed a Patreon account. Yeah, but they would if they started up today. Well, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. The, the, the times are changing and all that. Times, they are changing, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know, because I, I, even yeah, people, Philip DeFranco, long-time YouTuber, still has a Patreon account now. Well... Th- that's well. He doesn't have a Patreon. He has his own subscription service. It's but, for all intents and purposes, though. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same for like Rooster Teeth. They have their own subscription service. Yeah, and it's. I still think that I I don't think I think the Franco Elite is more this is more similar to Patreon than it is to. It's like it than it is to um, Rooster Teeth. Rooster Teeth is like a it's a it's a company. It does everything, and when you get arrested first, you're you're joining that thing, like a Netflix or something. But when you subscribe to like a Philip DeFranco, it feels like more you're just subscribing to that brand. You're supporting it to create new content, still I mean, on a smaller does, scale. He does have a company. He does have staff and stuff. I know. But I, I it still feel it's still it's like it feels like it's a new a new service at this point. I feel like you're just subscribing for one thing. Whether it's with Rooster Teeth, you're subscribing for everything. Everything Rooster Teeth. You know? I still haven't watched Genlock. <laughs> same. Same. I who just cares? don't give a shit. Who, who cares? Who cares about Genlock, honestly? It's such a good cast, but who cares? It's got a good cast of actors who aren't all that known for voice acting. David Tennant's known for voice acting. I, I, I know him for voice acting in one thing. Star things, Wars, sorry. Clone Wars. He was also in Postman Pat, right? Oh, the movie. Yes, he was. Shit. Uh-huh. I think he also was a little bit piece in How to Train Dragon 3. At the start of this episode, I referenced seeing it yesterday. Uh-huh. It's got a lady dragon in it. That's all I know. It's got a lady dragon. It does have a lady dragon. And at the very end, thought we were going to pull Lord of the Rings, but didn't. It's not salty, not salty at all. I'm literally telling you they didn't do a thing. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> That's a spoiler. I could have expected them to do the thing. Well, now I know that they won't. Well, now that you know that out of 10 billion things they could do, one of those things is not going to happen. How, how, how sorry I am. They actually get dusted. It's actually an MCU film. Oh, I see. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs>